Koinonia, Christian Fellowship, Communion with God, and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. I am Tom Brown, and your host today, Lance Rawhoff. Hey, welcome everyone. This is Lance Rahoff. I am excited. Today is Valentine's Day, in case you didn't know. And I think Valentine's Day really is for everyone. I, it's not just for those people who might be in some super great uh, intimate relationship with another person, but um, there's something that the Lord has for us in Valentine's Day. And to be as, as cheesy as I can possibly be even saying that uh, we're all the Lord's Valentine. <laughs> And today, my guest is Bethany Holland. I'm so excited to have Bethany. Hello, Bethany. Hi, Lance. It's so good to have you here today. It's such a perfect day to have you on the show because it's Valentine's Day, and you have a Valentine specifically. I do. Yeah. Who, first who, one. Your first one. I. Is it your first one? Well, maybe my first real one. Your first real one, Yeah. Who is he? You can say his name. Give him some props. (laughs) Okay. His name is Charles Hall, and he's a wonderful, handsome, servant-hearted man. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he is. I know Charles. I know Charles well. I've known him for a few years, and Charles is fun and adventurous (laughs) and spontaneous, and so much so, though, he, he asked you a question recently. Yes. So, and you said that word, actually. So what happened? Uh, he took me up to a bell tower overlooking Phoenix and got down on one knee and asked me to marry him. And I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he looked over the bell tower and there was 50 people cheering. I had no idea. I was really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> there was 50 people cheering. And we were, and I was in that group of people who were being as quiet as we could possibly be, knowing that he was leading you up there and you had no idea what was going on. I was blindfolded. You were, yeah, that's right. You were blindfolded <laughs> while y'all were driving, but you weren't driving. Right, right. No, yeah. <laughs> Charles was driving and brings you uh, and... And to Valley View Bible Church, because they have a bell tower that's a beautiful church. And Charles uh, has access to every part of that church, and he takes you up in that bell tower. And we're just so you know, our perspective down below was, you know, everyone be quiet, be quiet, because we were so excited for you. And it just all of a sudden happened. And, and then you had people playing music and singing. Yeah, it was really romantic. And I... I had a feeling it was coming. I mean, the moment he blindfolded me, I'm like, okay, this is happening. But I didn't want to ruin it. I didn't want to be like, oh, my gosh, are you going to propose? So I just let it happen and asked him as we were going up the stairs. I said, are you going to make me cry? And he was like, probably. So <laughs> yeah. it was it was good. Yeah, that's so great. And it really, I mean, what a celebration. And I love it that, you know, it's funny because I wasn't even thinking about Valentine's Day when you were coming on the show today that – there's such a great connection for that because y'all are getting married. When are you getting married? April 29th. April 29th. At Valley View. At Valley View Bible. <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be great. And so you guys have been dating a little over. It's actually going to be a year next oh. week. And it was on I was going to say you've been dating a little over 11 months and three weeks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Well, it was on Valentine's Day last year that we had, or the day before Valentine's Day, we had a very ambiguous first date that wasn't defined and was the whole like, oh, let's hang out and be really flirty, but not call it anything. And it Is that was, what millennials do? Yeah, totally. And it was the day before Valentine's Day. And I told him, actually, on Valentine's Day, I said, 
okay, tell me what this is, because if it's just friendship, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> oh, wow. That's and so if good. It, if it's something more, then okay, we can talk about it, but... I'm not going to do this ambiguous thing. Wow, you sound like my my wife now, Susan. That's on our first conversation. Uh, we had been having a long distance relationship, but she had made a very similar comment, which I'll I'll talk about in just a minute because I think there's some parallels there. But <laughs> Bethany, this is an exciting time in life to in that engagement period, right? It's very exciting. Yeah, hard but exciting. Yeah, I was going to say I hope it's not too stressful. Well, today we're going to talk about some Valentine's things. That's true. We're also going to talk about just what the Lord's been doing in your life over the last few years. Uh, It's really incredible how the Lord's moved and how we find ourselves in these places that, wow, how how did that happen? And the Lord shows up. So we'll be right back with Bethany Holland in just a minute. Stay with us. Welcome back. This is Lance Rahoff. Hosting the show today, and we have Bethany Holland with us. I'm excited. We we started out the first segment today. It's Valentine's Day, in case you didn't know. So February 14th, and Bethany has a Valentine. Uh, we're going to get into some of Bethany's life. I think uh, just how the Lord has moved over her life over the years, where you've gone, where the Lord has taken you and put things on your heart, and you have dreams for the future, mm-hmm. which is super cool. It's great to hear. I love hearing dreams that people have in their hearts about, wow, like what's for the future, you know, and Christ just calls us to partner with him and walk with him. And then he'll take us on this great adventure. But the Lord, he loves it when we just present our request to him. And Bethany, now you're at this place in life, you're engaged, you're getting married on April 29th. Um, You are a millennial. So (laughs) I I love throwing that. I'm proud millennial. You're a proud millennial. (laughs) What does that even mean? Because I, I feel like to... most millennials are already pretty proud. So well, if you put, like, proud in front of okay. millennials. Well, I guess I get tired of all the slack that millennials get. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, I can laugh at the videos and the making fun and everything. But <laughs> sometimes I just want to be like, hey, we're not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're great. <laughs> so, okay. So, yeah, um, that's good. And, and your fiancé, I was about to say husband, your fiancé, Charles. Yes. Uh, you guys started dating 11 months and three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Because it'll be a year next next week. Yep. Okay, so you had this kind of wild date. No, it was the, kind of this first date. Well, yeah. Basically, I I sent a text to a group of people wanting to hang out. Really, I did want to hang out with him, but I was trying to be not too forward. And he was he reached out and said, hey, I have a couple things lined up. Do you want to come with me? So we ended up hanging out that night, but and it was very much like a date, but we didn't call it that. Because you're a millennial. Right, yeah. We just left it really open-ended, <laughs> see where this goes. We don't know how the other person feels, so we're just going to, you know, be really vague. Yeah. And I've done that before, and it has not ended well. So I was just at a place where <laughs> I told him the next day, you know, I'm not going to do the vague thing. If you're interested, that's great. If you're not, that's fine. But let's make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I love about that, Bethany? Now, you're, how old are you? I'm 30 now. Whoa. Yeah. I'm, not because that's old. <laughs> it's because I still have my, No, yeah, that was not, just so you know, my facial expression did not match how that probably sounded. Like, whoa, Bethany, 30. No, I did not mean it. I was I was almost 35 when I got married. 
And Susan, my wife, is um, 33. So we've, we felt like we were a little older. A lot of people are in their 30s when they're getting married now. And, um, and, and that's great. So what I love about what you, you said to Charles, there's a couple of things. Uh, oftentimes now it's like the group date thing, right? Yeah. Okay, let's get together a group of friends. And that's great to have a group of friends that go out and do something and kind of get a feel for it. But then it continues to be the group date thing. Right. It's like and and I hey, I, I've been on I've been on five dates with Susan already. Uh, no, never one on one. Right. With Susan yeah. and ten other people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well that didn't happen with us. And actually she was in Arkansas and I was in Arizona. Oh, right. And we had met in Honduras oh. uh on a YWAM, Youth with a Mission Outreach. Yeah. And so she uh, I was wearing a Young Life t-shirt, and she was like, you do Young Life? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, I do Young Life in in Arkansas. And we traded – it was kind of a connection there. And we traded email addresses and were married 14 months later. But wow. during that time – yeah. No, during that time, there was a three-month span before – from when I met her in Honduras. She went back to Arkansas. I came back to Arizona. And we had the the long distance, the emailing. We didn't have any of the video stuff. You didn't have – you know, all that. Okay. This was 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have, that yeah, any bad. of that stuff going on a- a- other than emails and uh, phone calls. And so we talked for two hours a night on the phone and everything. But it was three months before I saw her. But the first time, well, I should say this. We emailed for a couple of weeks first before I called her. And then I called her. I remember at that time I worked at, at Smith Barney uh, as a financial planner here in Phoenix. And it was after hours one night. It was late at night. I call her and she goes, well, I've been wondering when you were going to call because I wasn't going to call you. And I was like, who is this guy? Is he going to call me or going to email? So uh, my bad on waiting that period of time, I guess. But so I call her. But one of the first things she says is, hey, can I just ask you something? I mean, right off the bat in yeah. our first conversation, she said, um, I kind of I need to know what your intentions are. Yeah, good for her. Uh-huh. Because I I'm in Arkansas, you're in Arizona. I've got enough phone friends and I don't need another one. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, but and so I love that so much because I'm like, yes. And she goes, so if you're calling to be another phone friend, mm-hmm. I've got yeah. enough. No, thanks. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm not. But what was so freeing about that was uh, and also because it's not like we were 17, 18, 19 years old in college, you know, just kind of I mean, we're in our 30s. And it's like, hey, um, are you really interested? Or are you just you know playing around here and want another friend and enjoy the conversation? No, I wasn't. Yeah. But. I love that. And I think one of the things that I loved about you and Charles and that conversation that you had with him and the fact is y'all have been intentional about your relationship. Tell us about that. Yeah. I mean. How it's progressed. Yeah. He will. He'll say that by my question, um, the day after that vague date really forced him to step into more definition in relationship that he'd ever done before. So. Um, I think it was helpful for him to kind of put a, put a demand on him a little bit, <laughs> yeah. um, but he appreciated it. Like he wanted that and he needed it. And, uh, ever since that point, he's been very clear and very direct and very honest with his intentions. And it's really been his deliberate intention with everything that he's done in the last year that has helped me stay really I guess, hopeful and involved. Like any moments I have of fear or doubt, because I have, I can get really caught up in my fear and my insecurities and a lot of 
that that junk and he's been so steady and so steadfast the whole year and spoken such truth and confidence that has really helped me um I guess trust the process and trust what God's doing and it's been this journey of faith for me and I know it has been for him too his his side just looks a little different um but it was it's I think that that moment of him deciding, like, yes, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to step up and be a man in this. That moment of a shift for him, I guess, in his life has really, it's been consistent ever since then. And he has taken it up fully. And it's been what has carried me a lot of times when I've (laughs) been up and down. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Well, it, it's uh, it's encouraging. I think for listeners listening to that, because honestly, I mean, relationships can go a lot of different ways, and there's no one right way, right? It's 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 unique to you guys have certain gifts and personalities, and you know, you're attracted to him, he's attracted to you. You know, maybe two years earlier, it wouldn't have. You know, you never know, right? right. The Lord clearly was doing something. This. Tell me just a little about the process that you've gone through with the Lord. And going into a dating relationship and where you are in life and mm-hmm. and all of that. What does that look like? Well, before I started dating Charles, I I had been through a lot of different seasons of life that had brought me to a place of um, really strict boundaries and uh, just a determination in myself to want certain things and not settle for anything less than that. Um, and I, I believe I held to those things as I went through the process with dating Charles, but a value that I didn't know I had or that the Lord was trying to do in me that I didn't realize in the process of dating was walking by faith and um, not by my own understanding or my own decision or my own ability to determine whether or not someone was worthy. Um, And so my journey with Charles, especially at the beginning, was I I defined it as a a walking by faith because there were so many moments um, that I had to really seek the Lord and and ask him, you know, what am I doing? What what do you want me to do? Um, Seeking counsel, but I even in seeking counsel, I knew everyone I talked to, you know, they, they love me and they want the best for me. And so really they always defer to, well, whatever you feel like God is saying, <laughs> like, that's not helpful. Tell me what to do. <laughs> but, um, but I really did have to just completely lean on the Lord and walk by faith. And uh, there were things about Charles that, you know, he opened up and was so vulnerable and honest with me from the very beginning that um, I think if, if I were to just go off of my own flesh or my own cognitive understanding, um, I probably would not have walked down that path. But it was a leading of the Lord. There was something in me I could not deny um, that the Lord was drawing me mm-hmm. towards. And yeah. and it was kind of scary. It was It was very much a risk, I felt like. And the Lord's been faithful to prove, you know, that you can trust me. And it's it's always hard to know, like— is this the Lord? Is this my flesh? Like, is this just because I'm, I like him? Or is it just infatuation? Or is it really the Lord? And having to kind of wade through all of that is kind of scary. But the Lord's been so faithful. And that's what he just kept telling me was that, you know, I, I haven't proven you wrong in the past. And you can trust me. And even if 
you make a mistake or even if you're you, you think wrong that you're not hearing me right you know like I can I'm gonna take care of you and I'm mm-hmm. gonna carry you through it and you can trust me and yeah. so it's been such a journey of faith yeah yeah no that's so good Bethany a couple of things that you said in there uh, one is that you do hear from the Lord I know that and and you're sensitive to the to the Holy Spirit and speaking to you and but and at the same time you want to you want to get um some confirmation in that too. And so what I've loved about this is that you've talked to friends, that you have friends and you're like, Hey, what are you seeing here? Right. Or what do you think? Well, that you have confirmations. And what, what I think is such a great testimony to the friends that you have that really trust you. And I know they respect you a lot is, is that you said they go, well, what are you sensing from the Lord? Because they trust you that they know that you're seeking, seeking the Lord, but we have the word uh, to say, Hey, is my relationship really on track here? Uh, we have the Holy Spirit. We have counsel from friends, and it's great to go get more mature friends as well, older friends that have been down the road. But Bethany, I love that because you've done all of those kind of things, and I know enough about y'all's relationship to know that that it's it is a journey. And it can be challenging, but it's also super holy. So, hey, stay with us with Bethany Holland. We're going to come back. Bethany's been around the world, and we're going to hear about some of her adventures. And uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Lance Rahoff, your host today for Koinonia. My guest is Bethany Holland. Bethany is engaged to be married April 29th. She is uh, engaged to this great guy named Charles. And and also, Bethany, it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) I know. Did you get Charles something for Valentine's Day? No. 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 That's okay. Just so you know. I have an idea, a little surprise for him, but it's not like a gift. It's just... Yeah. Something I'm going to share with him. Are you a gift person? I uh, Yes. I you, love to give gifts. You love to get... Uh, what, I like to get them, too. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I love getting gifts. So I are you... Giving. Yeah. So from a woman's perspective, okay, it's Valentine's Day. And when I say this, I mean, you're not representing an entire gender. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because... <laughs> You know, everyone has different likes on Valentine's Day. Now, Susan, I just before I ask you this, Susan, my wife and I, uh, we're not big Valentines go out to dinner on Valentine's night. As a matter of fact, we typically go like the day after or something like that. Um, Susan is a service person. She loves it when I do something service oriented. I mean, that's like her love language. She, if I went on Valentine's Day and and cleaned out the storage room and organized all of that, she would think that's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. She loves flowers and chocolate right. and all that stuff, too. But that's her big deal. What is your your big deal's gifts, or is it something else? Uh, Well, my, my top love language is quality time. So something intentional. I just want to be celebrated. Yeah. I okay. had that, I had that conversation with Charles of like I'm really worried that you're not going to do anything for Valentine's Day or our 1 year anniversary and I need you to know that I will be disappointed if you don't. Well, I, what I like about that is at least you're putting it out there because as a guy representing a whole gender right now, I am going to let you know that sometimes we're not clued in on that kind of thing. I mean, like it goes right by us and a woman might think like how in the world can you possibly have forgotten that? Right. Like, really? Like, that is a no-brainer. Right. So do you have no brain? Seriously, do you have no brain? But from a guy's perspective, 
there's a nothing box in that mind. I mean, you know, sometimes like women don't get it, but it's true. Guys have a nothing box that we literally can sit at times and stare and nothing goes on in there. Whereas a woman, that's not possible, right? Because you always have 10 things going on in your mind. You can like, you know, that's why guys aren't good at focusing on multiple things at a time. Anyway, so I did just speak for a whole gender. But the point of that is uh, it's so good to throw out. Uh, hey, this is some expectation. I'm a real expectation guy. Like I love for Susan to tell me, hey, just to let you know, that would be great if we right. did this. Or, you know, I love it when you plan this so she doesn't have to. I love it that she just goes ahead and puts it out there because I think a lot of times it can get – it can be – you know, not only awkward, but super frustrating if there's always this expectation of, well, why didn't you think of that? Right. And I agree. And I admit, I mean, when you anniversaries, it's like, come on, at least put it as a reminder in your phone. <laughs> well, Charles was like, you know, do we keep remembering the year anniversary of dating when we get married? Do we have to celebrate more than one anniversary? <laughs> it sounds like with you, you're expecting it at all. It's like, no, don't Whatever you remember? Whatever you can get. <laughs> Whatever you just can kidding. get. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, you guys are probably going to do something yeah. on Valentine's Day. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so new and fresh and exciting, <laughs> but it should be at your 50 year as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's transition a little bit because um, your whole life hasn't been this last one year. No. No. You apparently have 29 previous years. <laughs> Apparently. And and in those years, you did something super exciting called the World Race. Yep. Tell us about that. Yeah, I well, I graduated from college in 2009 and I was a business major and there was nothing really um well, I was passionate about ministry and prayer rooms and all these things and I I really wasn't interested in going into the business world quite yet. Maybe that's a millennial thing. Uh, but <laughs> hey, I, don't don't be ripping I, on those millennials. <laughs> You're a proud millennial. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I had learned about this opportunity called the World Race that is a missions trip that goes to 11 countries in 11 months. Uh, someone from the trip who had done the trip came to my school, um, spoke about it, and I heard stories about food getting multiplied and limbs growing back, and miraculous healing and the Holy Spirit just moving on the earth. And I, something inside of me was like, oh, my gosh, I want to be in the middle of it. Like, I want to be a part of it. I want to see it. I want to – I just was so hungry for the move of God and for the move of the Holy Spirit. And so I signed up, and it was kind of a long process of going through all of the application and everything. It, not that it was hard, but for my own journey of, of really committing to this thing of, like, oh my gosh, I'm actually going to go travel the world with strangers. I've never met these people for 11 months. That's crazy. Um, and really, I thought I was too girly. I was like, I don't want to live in a tent without makeup and showering for, <laughs> you know, I thought that just terrified me. But there was something in me. I just knew I had to do it. So I went October 2009 and went to 11 countries. We had, it's our our whole group was about 40 people. 42 people or so, and we split into smaller groups of about six to seven people, and each team has a leader, and then there's leaders who have done it before that go out with the whole group. So we travel as a whole group of 40 together from each country, but in the country, we separate out the teams. And so some teams are in one city, another team is in a different city, and they're all with different ministry hosts, which are local people. Sometimes sometimes they're missionaries from either the states or 
Canada or Australia, you know, they're foreigners. But then also we had ministry hosts that were nationals, people that were in country, you know, serving their own people. Um, what we a lot of times the organization that sends out the world race called them unsung heroes. They're the boots on the ground that are just doing the things, um, not getting praised, not getting recognized, but they're doing the work of Jesus uh, and seeing incredible things. So we would go and partner with these these ministry hosts and whatever they needed. We came alongside them to partner with their vision. So it wasn't so much about us bringing a vision or having really long-term goals within that country because we are moving every month, you know. We're only in one place for three to four weeks, so we weren't trying to, you know, change a whole country. Um, we were trying to come alongside and partner with people who are, who are long-term and lift yeah. some of the burden from them, um, serve in whatever way we can, get to the lowest, you know, the lowest part, place that we can get to to serve people. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that meant, you know, sleeping on the ground, sleeping in tents, sleeping... Um, wherever, eating rice and beans for a whole month, whatever it meant, you know, so that you could partner with people who are really serving Jesus and and see the gospel come alive in a new way. Yeah, that, so how did it work out from going from terrified about the camping (laughs) out and all those kind of things to now you're going, hey, this is where we're going, and it could be sleeping on the ground. It could be whatever. Well, we had a training camp for about 10 days in like end of July, August, before I left in October. It was about a month before or two months before. And uh, it was probably more of a training spiritually than it was physically, like this is how it's going to be. But we did have kind of rough conditions at training camp to help Mm -hmm. prepare us. But, you know, I don't know how it happened other than I remember walking from the the airport to the plane when we were leaving Miami to go to our first country was Guatemala. I remember walking onto the plane and thinking like, I can't turn around. This is it. Like I'm, I'm going this like, I, yeah, you're I in. Yeah. And, and for me, it was just like, once I'm in, I'm in, you know, there's mm-hmm. no turning around. There were some people that left halfway through. And I remember thinking, what, why? <laughs> That's not a thing. You don't just leave. Like you signed up for 11 months. You do 11 <laughs> months, you know? But um, I don't know what happened. I just faced it head on and just went after it. And I think it helped that there was other people around me that also it w- they didn't like they didn't know what to expect either. We were all in it together. There was a very real part of community that was established within your team, within your larger group of people that are all going on the same journey with you. Mm-hmm. Like we all had different backgrounds. We all came from different walks of life, but. Um, but we're we're doing we're having this experience and we're doing this together. So you're not alone, um, even if you feel, you know, like you're in a hundred degrees and there's mosquitoes and you're under a, a mosquito net in the middle of a village and you just want to like and you're bathing in a trough or whatever. <laughs> you're just miserable. <laughs> like it's okay because you got somebody right next to you who's also going through it. So. Right, and I think that's key. And, you know, the the show that we're on today, right, our show is called Koinonia. It's the Greek, wor- Greek word for community, and uh, and it's one of the areas that I think you're touching on here without even saying it, which is community is powerful, and you can go and do hard things in community. Yeah. I mean, we're made to do hard things, right? We have his Holy Spirit. But there was—I uh, had this picture as you were talking about, is that when Jesus sent out the 72 or the disciples go out, you know, you go out in twos or more, and 
and there's power in that. One is because you're connected with someone else with the same vision, yeah. the same heart, and doing something together that's hard. You, I mean, if you're by yourself in that, it's like, come on. I mean, you can do it. The Lord can empower you to do it clearly, to go places where you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm going this way. But to do it with someone or a group of people yeah. is powerful. And those people probably became really close. Oh, yeah. It's a it's a bonding experience for sure. And you can meet anybody who's done the world race. And you, maybe you weren't even on the same trip. Because I worked for the world race afterwards, and I've led a few trips with them. So I, I was involved with them for a few years after my trip finished. Um, but you can meet somebody who did it later and there's an instant connection because you just have this similar experience and this bond. And then so the people you actually traveled with, it's even more intensive of, mm-hmm. of a closeness and a bond and understanding. Yeah. Well, before we finish this this segment of our show, what is one of the coolest things that you encountered on the world race? Like, Oh, my goodness. I know that's that's hard to pick out so many when you go to 11 countries in 11 yeah. months. But, it, you know, it's hard to it's hard to pick one thing. I will say I didn't see, it wasn't like everywhere I went, I saw miracles like this and this, this, I mm-hmm. think I had expected. Um, and what was most powerful and impactful for me was the, uh, the relationships and the, I don't know, the people that are just unseen mm-hmm. and, and hurting and broken and, and being in the midst of those places with those people mm-hmm. and feeling their warmth and their generosity and their love even in the midst of their suffering. Oh, yeah. Most powerful. But there were miracles and there were crazy things God did. Yeah, no, that's very (laughs) cool. Well, I had a friend that once told me is one of the greatest miracles that we have is a community of people that really loves each other well. I mean, that that in itself is also a miracle and a fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to be right back with Bethany. Stay with us. Welcome back. This is Lance Rahoff, your host for Koinonia Today. My guest, Bethany Holland. Bethany is telling us some some really cool adventures and stories about her life. We've gone really from the present back, and then I think we're going to go back from the present to the future, which is a really long title for a movie. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about, uh, well, some Valentine's things, because it is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Again, I'll say that every every segment, Bethany. Yeah. Happy, happy Valentine's Day happy Valentine's from Charles. Day. He just texted me and said, tell Bethany happy Valentine's that's, Day. That's my surprise. That's, yeah. Well, he just wanted you to know he was thinking about you because he has a reminder yeah. in his phone every 10 minutes that says, yes. you know, text Bethany. I will say he has texted me every morning probably this last year and said, good morning, beautiful. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it is very sweet. <laughs> I like it. That's that's kind of a, every morning. Yeah, it never fails. I Seriously, I expect it now. I know. Well, that's what I was going to go to is that if he does something like that every morning, it doesn't happen one morning. He better, you know, (laughs) have been taken hostage or something because, yeah. So, okay. So you uh, did this world race, 11 countries in 11 months. You, uh, that was great stories of just meeting people, going to where they are, even the the farthest out and experiencing that. And then after 11 months, you come back and you're in Phoenix, right? Okay, so like you came back. Where did you go from there? When you come out of an experience like that, uh, you've had this world adventure. What was the Lord telling you at that point? Well, when I came, when I finished the 11 months, 
there is a part that everyone goes through that we call reentry, trying to readjust your life back into what it was before, where you're changed, but you're kind of returning to this old context. And it's incredibly hard for people who do the race. Um, there's been a lot of books written and, you know, advice and strategies for missionaries when they come home. Uh, and I think for me, I just, I wasn't ready to step back into an old context. So I went back and led a few trips for the world race. So I was only home for four months before Mm -hmm. I left again. And even in doing that, I felt this, such, um, this draw to the, the community that was built with the world race that I wanted to be a part of it longer. And so I moved to Georgia because I'm from Arizona. I went to school here um, in Flagstaff and grew up in Tucson. Uh, and I I was going to come back to Tucson after I led a trip, but I just felt like, man, I have to be with these people that are doing, that are, that are putting on the world race, that are doing this. I want to learn from them. I want to grow. And so I did an internship apprenticeship with the organization it's based out of um, Gainesville, Georgia, which is a little north of Atlanta. So I lived there for about three years, working in different parts of the organization, doing different things, leading more trips. Um, and it was an incredible time of growth, and it was it was painful at a lot of times, but really developed me and developed my spiritual life. And there was a point, maybe maybe a year in to working there, that. I had this feeling of like, man, I want to go to seminary. Like, I want to go and learn more about the Bible, learn more about um, about leadership in the church and, and things like that. But really, I told myself, I said, but I don't want to go somewhere that turns the Bible into a textbook, and I don't want to go somewhere that doesn't have that doesn't have the Holy Spirit or mm-hmm. doesn't emphasize or or practice the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right. So I told myself this, and then I went to one of our training camps for the World Race, and we had a speaker who came, who is the dean of a seminary in New York, uh, Nyack. His name is Ron Walburn, and he was speaking, and this man is, like, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, and he's just preaching, and he's preaching about things that made my spirit come alive, things about, like, self, like um, self-care and uh, inner healing and just and grief processing and all these things that I was like man this is this is what we need and and so I felt like the Lord was like here you go this is what you asked for and so I I contacted him and thought about going to New York going to this seminary at Nyack and uh I for a few years but there was like I couldn't do it I couldn't make that step (laughs) and um I, I even like toured the campus in Manhattan one time and I got to a point to about two years after that where I was just finishing up with everything at the organization, um, Adventures and Missions, and I, I felt like it was time for me to move on. You know, I needed to do something new, and it was about that time. I was like, oh, yeah, I wanted to do seminary. I forgot that God had stirred that in my heart a couple of years ago. and um, But I didn't want to go to New York because my family is all in Phoenix, and I felt like, man, I've been away from my family for three, four years and my niece and nephew are growing up before my eyes. I don't want to miss that. Like, I want to be in their life. And so I don't want to be spending another few years on the other side of the country. So I looked into seminaries in Phoenix, and there's there's a couple, but I asked Ron. I just messaged him on Facebook. I said, hey, I want to go to Nyack, but here's the deal. What are some seminaries in Phoenix you'd recommend? 
and he said he's a Fuller alumni, mm-hmm. and so he said, I would say go with Fuller, and uh, I I did. I mean, it was just like yeah. everything. Before that, I hadn't had probably six months of my life at a time like planned out. I kind of was like living by the seat of my pants. But at this point, it was like I made these decisions that all of a sudden planned out the next like five years of my life of, okay, I'm going to lead one more trip with adventures in the world race. Then I'm going to move to Phoenix. I'm going to start seminary and I'm going to be there for the next three to four years pursuing an MDiv. And it's been an incredible journey. Um, God has been so faithful. I absolutely love Fuller. I absolutely yeah, love what they so good. teach and how they present, um, I don't know, just present the mission of God in the world and um, and really opening my eyes even more so to the ministry of the poor and the widows and the hurting and the marginalized, more so than probably when I was actually in the villages. In, oh, wow. The yeah, so, that's so good. Well, I like Fuller, too, clearly. Um, I'm a graduate from Fuller, and I would agree with you and um, that Fuller uh, has such a, a perspective and initi- initiates that, which is going out into yeah. the world and uh, going for the farthest out. And then the experiences that you had on the world race, I can see where that connects mm-hmm. really well. And that's cool. So you're in seminary now. Yeah. And you're engaged. So let me ask you a question, though, just to kind of get back sure. to what we were talking about. Because um, when it comes to dating, you're on this world race, right. all these countries, and you're thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. And you're a woman in your 20s, and you're going, okay, Lord, I mean, where did you go with, Lord, where does a guy in my future fit? <laughs> like, how does that work? Yeah. Well, I mean, so on the world race, you're not allowed to date, which is good because you're in kind of a bubble. Mm-hmm. There's it's So how many people teams... were dating on your team? <laughs> right. We did have some <laughs> secretly, people... <laughs> of right. course. We did have some people after the race get married and it's awesome when people Yeah, it's have crazy that. how you get through with 11 months with this people group of people and then at 11 months and 2 days somebody's <laughs> no. engaged and they're like but they never dated. No, I had one guy, one of my favorite, <laughs> one of the favorite uh guys on one of the squads that I led. He didn't tell. He met this girl in like the fourth month when we were in Peru. She was a Peruvian, and we get home or they get home from the race. Like they land in L.A. and he just and nobody knew. He just tells everybody, "All right, well, I'm going to Peru now." Like he didn't even go home. He went straight from his last country for landing in America to went back to Peru to true love. This girl. Yeah, that's what that is. Bethany. And nobody knew. It's just so funny. Yeah, but, nobody knew. Right? Okay, nobody <laughs> admitted that they knew. And there were all the, there's like 10 other people that are sitting there going, well, you know, they're like <laughs> dating, but not dating because it's not allowed. Right. Well, it's funny because you're on a team and most teams have two guys and four or five girls. And there's never a team with just one guy, but there's all t- all girl teams or there's teams with two or three guys. Mm-hmm. And so you're a little outnumbered as a guy. There's way more girls than guys, as yeah. in most ministries. So guys thinking things. that's cool. Yeah. But the girls – and I don't mean this – harshly but so for the girl you're kind of in a bubble you're kind of like yeah oh what do i I got this these 12 people to pick from like out of 45 people i got you know and you kind of feel like you have to pick one i don't know and so did you feel like you had to pick one bethany (laughs) no i didn't is there anything you need to i did date somebody after my race oh okay because you're not allowed to while you're racing right right, yeah we were really we, we obeyed the rules but it you know it was one of those things where yeah you think you kind of want this because it's that time of life and yeah i was gonna say when i mean yeah it's when you're going through 
a lot of the same things together that are intense, honestly, also. And you're having to trust the Lord, and there's a bond that comes in doing ministry like that together. There's no question there is. But but where did it fit for, um, okay, in the future? You come back, you're going to seminary. Like, how, as a single woman, just how did you process that? Because honestly, I mean, uh, you know, I know every woman is different in this capacity, but, you know, some have, since they were, you know, two years old, dreamt of what their wedding was going to look like and have it all planned out. And others are like, I haven't really thought too much about that. I mean, I, yeah, no, I thought about it. Every, I think this sounds so silly, but every birthday that I turned a year older, I thought if I'm not in a relationship by my next birthday, I'm going to be really sad <laughs> because it was just like, Another year, okay, not happening. Okay, another year, not happening. And, um, you know, I I think when I was in Georgia, like, I wanted it to happen there, but it just wasn't. And I think I, I actually had come out of a relationship that kind of propelled me a little bit to move to Phoenix. I was like, okay, I'm just done mm-hmm. with Georgia. <laughs> I yeah. need to leave. And, uh and it and I didn't meet Charles right away. I mean, I met I had been in Georgia or been in Arizona for a year really before I met him right. and and the first six months were really lonely and really hard and I just got to a point where like you know I'm not gonna go to a church just to meet somebody to marry that's silly and I'm not gonna like I'm gonna put myself out there like I was doing whatever I could but I'm not gonna you know bank on on these things I'm gonna do what I want to do whether I have a husband or not Right. You know, I'm not going to let that stop me from pursuing what I feel like God's called me to do. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And and for me, also, even as a guy in my 30s and, and Susan is a woman in her 30s, we've had those conversations of, you know, just follow Jesus. Yeah. Like, he found, the Lord cares for you. Right. Um, whether you're single or married or dating or not or whatever, the Lord cares for you. And to be able to operate in freedom like that in your singleness. And it doesn't make it easier. Like, it's no, still lonely no, and of hard, course. But it's like, you know, I'm I'm not going to wait around. I'm going to Yeah, no, Jesus. keep going. Yeah, such a good word is don't wait around. Yeah. Just keep pursuing <laughs> Jesus. I mean, really. Yeah. I, that's great. So Hey, um, we're going to be back to close out our segment with Bethany in just a minute. I love this. We Initially, when we came on the show today, we weren't even going to really talk about Valentine's Day that much. And, and then, well, one is I wasn't even thinking about it. And then it's such a great topic because you're engaged to be married April 29th. This is such an exciting time. We're going to be right back to close this out with Bethany <laughs> Holland in just a minute. Stay with us. Welcome back. This is Lance Rahoff with Bethany Holland. We had such a great time talking today with Bethany. We, it's just me here. So I had such a great time. And you, I know, but we had, you know, you get it. Anyway, you, um, you've been on so many different adventures. And I say on April 29th, you're going to be married. Um, adventure. So Charles will be Mr. Charles Holland. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I did have a little identity crisis when I saw my name as Bethany yeah, Hall. I was, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, what's your name going to be? So what's your middle name? Ann. So you're Bethany Ann Holland. He's Charles Hall. What's his middle name? Joseph. Charles Joseph. Oh, yeah, of course. Charles Joseph Hall. What's your, <laughs> what's your name? What are you going to go by? I'll go by Bethany Ann Hall. Bethany Ann Hall. Okay. Well, I mean, Bethany Hall, but my middle name will okay. still be Ann. Okay, yeah. because with Susan took her last name. Yeah, I've had friends do yeah, that. Yeah, Susan Ward-Rahoff. It'd be weird to be Bethany Holland Hall. 
<laughs> so here's a, let's just close out in prayer uh, here. Maybe you just pray uh, for our listeners today. If there's something that the Lord moves on your heart right now to pray for them, I bet it'll touch somebody. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. God, I just thank you uh, that you are sovereign. God, that you move in our lives when we can't see it, when we don't know. And in those moments that feel the most lonely or the most um, distant from you, God, that you are moving and working and, and that you see the end before the beginning. And uh, I just thank you, Lord, that I thank you that you know every detail of our lives and that you sit with us in the midst of every decision. And uh, I just pray for peace um, for those that feel kind of lost in obscurity, that feel like um, you don't know or you don't see, and that you would just give clarity and peace um, to what you're bringing and what you're doing in their lives. Yeah. That's good. It's good. And yeah, thanks, Lord, for the day we have. I pray blessing over Bethany and her relationships, uh, her seminary. We just pray for her to thrive at seminary. That It's so good at Fuller. I'm so, so glad, Lord, that you've led her to that, as well as her relationship with Charles and her community. She has such a great community. Lord, we thank you for continuing to bring her in that. And we thank you for how well you just love Bethany. You love Charles. You love... Um, uh, Lord, you love us, and you're so careful to lead us, um, and we just want to hear your voice more clearly. So, uh, Lord, bless you guys today. Um, have a great rest of your day. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank Amen. you.